They don't necessarily need to tell us which technology that they want to use. We can advise them on which technology that would meet that specific use case. Just need to make sure that, that we understand the use case, that they have the resources uh, to spend, and that they actually know what they want to get out of embedding an IoT project. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. Welcome to the Beyond Buildings podcast. And today we are talking to Mark Tobel at Sierra Wireless. Welcome. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So my name is Mark Tobel. I'm based in Stockholm in Sweden. And I'm currently working with a company called CR Wireless which is one of the leading companies in the world when it comes to providing cellular solutions for IoT and connectivity. Uh, So I've been with the company for one and a half years. I joined the company actually when I first learned that the company was heavily focusing on the connectivity and cloud side of their business. So I wanted to be part of that journey. I also wanted to help the company and the hardware-centric resources within the company to learn more about how to adopt connectivity on a different level and also how to add services on top of the hardware offering to actually help customers more end-to-end. So the company has done a few reconstructions from that time, but now starting at the beginning of this year, I'm actually looking after the Nordics and Baltics as a territory, supporting also in other countries in EMEA. But my primary responsibility is to build strategic growth for CR Wireless and also to look more at the long-term strategic partnerships that, that we can get involved in uh, to make sure that we are seen and heard, but also for the market to learn that we can actually do more than just to provide building blocks for hardware. Awesome. I think that's perfect. And I think that's exactly what customers are looking for, to be honest. Someone that understands the fundamentals, but also can take a larger value offering in helping them realize their goals based on what they are and not necessarily knowing everything about technology. But I think that's where you come in. I have a civil engineering degree in microelectronics, graduated from the Royal Institute of Technology, KTH in Swedish, back in 2014. When I chose to do my master's, I kind of tried to look around to see, you know, what is the industry actually going to be doing within the scope of the next uh, foreseeable future? And I decided actually that I wanted to do my master's in wireless systems, because obviously here in Scandinavia, our networks are pretty much very sophisticated. We have a lot of good companies working out there, great market, very many resources. So, so I kind of wanted to be part of that market. So I decided yeah, to go down the route of learning more about wireless systems, networking solutions, and how they actually interfere. Learn a lot about the background technologies for 2G, 3G, 4G, and also some of the basics for the newer technologies that we're starting to working with now. So when I actually graduated back in 2014, I was actually looking around for jobs within specifically the the IoT space because I wanted to try and take the resources that I had learned during my first years and trying to apply that to the markets. But I also knew that I wanted to work in a startup environment. 
to make sure that I learn both the commercial side of things, but also, you know, the technical side of things. The first five years were, were pretty technical, but I knew that if I could learn how to combine my technical years with a commercial understanding of the market, especially working for a company that can help me learn the basics in terms of doing more yourself, then I know that I can become pretty valuable on the market and start to help companies deeper, deeper in. So I just started working for a small Swedish startup, which were at that time a pure distributor of hardware for, for M2M, commonly known as machine-to-machine communication. We did a little journey at that start. We kind of realized that if we are to be in the distributor segment, then obviously we need to be able to provide services together with our hardware because the reality is that the margins on hardware are decreasing. And there are many actors out on the market, ranging from distributors to resellers and partners that are selling hardware and have been selling hardware for a long time. And we were really small at that time, only two people. So we kind of realized that if we are to start delivering services to our market, we need to partner up with the right resources. So we partnered up with a few companies and that actually led a little later in time, I think one and a half year later, that we started supplying Telia and their division with ruggedized gateway solutions for their IoT projects. And at the same time, they were helping us with the connectivity-related issues so that we could start doing creating our own bundles and to deliver those solutions to the Swedish industry. That actually led me on this transformation journey of realizing the potential of connectivity and services that typically goes on top of hardware that you're selling as a framework, as a basis for getting your data from your device, from your asset in the field to your backend infrastructure. So I decided that after having worked with Telia for for about a year, I actually wanted to move on. And this is roughly around the time when CR Wireless decided that I was of interest to them in terms of the resources that I gathered during my first years after graduating. And I've been working closely with the sales teams and the products teams to make sure that that I help the resources internally to adopt IoT, to learn from IoT, but also to help the customers understand the full potential of of CR Wireless and what they can do. That was probably the best intro I've ever heard to what you do. And so like the strategic linkage and acting early on what you saw or what you knew was going to happen, right? Fantastic, Mark. I'm really impressed. You said that then you are sort of like an intermediary between understanding the sales. And of course, with your background, you understand the technology as well. So you can talk to the product teams. I think you're spot on here in terms of raising this question, because from what I've seen during my only past few years after graduating is that if there is no alignment between the product teams and the sales teams, then obviously you might end up in a situation where the product teams are just pushing out new products, but they aren't commonly being accepted by the market. Because the sole responsibility of the sales teams is to try and you know, get out there, try to understand the needs and the requirements coming from the market. And if we can't convey the message properly towards the end customer, then we might end up trying to push products instead of asking the customers the right questions and to design the product as opposed to just pushing it out. To be fully frank, I've seen this happen both on bigger companies and actually smaller companies as well. Uh, And I think that we're all trying to go down the route of putting services on top of the the products that we're selling. And I would say that going down that route will actually give us all a different role as opposed to in the past. So basically, in the role of CRYs, for example, we're going from providing building blocks that goes into your product design to actually supplying you with all of the building blocks that you need to embed connectivity end-to-end. 
So if we are going down that route, we must be seen as a trusted advisor. And if we aren't seen as a trusted advisor, then we might actually end up in a position where we just recommend something that the market aren't really willing to accept. And how do you become a trusted advisor then more so like specifically? And also, who are your customers? Because you say that you can, instead of just providing the building blocks for connectivity, you can be sort of like end-to-end in a certain way, I would expect. So is it like the OEMs? Those companies are your customers and you take so sort of like dumb products, you make them come to life. And is that what you do? That's a very good question. So obviously, Sierra Wireless comes from the hardware side. We have a very strong hardware-centric DNA in the baggage. But considering the, the modules that we're selling, the building blocks, those are typically sold to OEM customers that are looking to embed the connectivity into their own product designs. So customers and typically personas that we tend to talk to are the engineers, the product owners, the key resources within a company that are in charge for the budget and also for actually embedding the cellular device onto their own board. So those are typically the personas that we tend to reach out to. And I would say that when it comes to connectivity in cloud services, there might be entirely other personas that we need to target because it's not always the engineer that decides on which connectivity solution that goes into his own product design. There might be other people within the company that actually has the right resources to make a decision from that perspective. So if I understand it correctly, right? So let's say I'm a traditional whatever OEM, original equipment manufacturer, and I want, I could be even a motorcycle, it could be a coffee machine, it could be whatever something. And I say, okay, holy macaroni, I want to uh, get this connected. Not necessarily knowing why, but I mean, everything is connected nowadays, so I need to get it connected. I hear this, right, a lot from companies. Then I say, okay, yeah, of course I can help you with so like the overlay picture, but if you want someone that is really, really good at this, talk to Mark. Uh, their background has been in hardware development to couple with software. So they understand that part. So they can do like specific hardware designs and help you in that aspect. But moreover, they help you to understand how to get whatever product that you have connected. That's what they do. And that's what they're experts in. And then whatever you want to do in sort of like connectivity, as in above that, getting the connectivity, that's up to you. Or they also have a partner system Maybe you do, maybe you should get one, helping the customer end-to-end. Is that a fair assessment? I think you covered it pretty well. The only thing that I'd like to add is the trusted advisor aspect of the route that we're trying to go down now. So the key challenge that we're trying to solve now across our different product segments is to try and simplify the complexity of IoT. And I think that one of the key challenges out on the market is that you typically don't have a standard API towards a specific machine out there on the market. So if you're looking to actually start your own IoT project to get your machine connected, you need to either gather the uh, different building blocks yourself and to build your own software to make sure that it's secure enough to encrypt your communication and to get the data to be sent out to your backend. And you know, traditionally, the companies have, have turned to us only for the cellular module itself, so the actual modem that goes inside of the device. But what is starting to happen now is that they're realizing that we have capabilities within the cloud and connectivity aspect that allows us actually to get them started in in shorter time. So the challenge that we're trying to solve now is to simplify the complexity of getting things connected, allowing them to get resources from our side to do development quicker. I think that's spot on, as in, again, what I'm hearing as well from customers or partners or in the market in general. So basically what you're saying is that 
okay, everyone can just go around, do it themselves to create an API of sorts, but you can help companies not only to, to do that, but instead of just focusing on the internal side and getting things connected, you understand what the market wants and how to get things integrated in a way, right? To think so like step two, three, four, and five, and to help the customers make that decisions. And basically what you're seeing as well is simplifying connectivity, I would say. How important is it for customers to frame the context that they are operating in? irrespective of technology, but actually just telling, okay, this is what we're doing. These are the problems that we're having. Can you help us solve these problems? In that regard, we typically tend to come in whenever a customer has conducted a pre-study. So what we're asking our customers about is to make sure that they understand the benefit or the pains that they currently have and what they want to do so that we can advise properly. So for an example, the customer might have conducted a pre-study where they'd like to learn to make use of specific data points, or that they've decided that they need to send these specific parameters because their interest is to maybe create a new revenue stream or to try and beat competition. So once they've conducted a pre-study, we tend to come in as the advisor I was telling you about before, and we try and map their needs against the technical requirements that we have on our end. So it's very important for us to understand their pains, which kind of challenges they're going through. They don't necessarily need to tell us which technology that they want to use. We can advise them on which technology that, that would meet that specific use case. Just need to make sure that we understand the use case, that they have the resources to spend, and that they actually know what they want to get out of embedding an IoT project. And from there, we try and guide them and we tell them what we have or what we don't have. And also something which is quite important in regards to IT is to tell them which portion of the IT stack do we operate in? So what do we do and what do we don't do? So that they get a clear understanding of our responsibility area and which other areas that we typically are involved in. Okay, they have done a pre-study. Are you in charge of sort of like setting up that pre-study so that you sort of like get in where you want to be with the sort of like the right information? Or is that just something that someone does in a generic kind of way? It can be twofold. So either the customer hires a company to do a pre-study or they might have resources themselves to conduct that. What we typically do is that we set up a discovery workshop where we try and get a better understanding of their needs, their pains, and from there, we try and advise them in regards to what we believe is a good fit in terms of technology for their specific use case. So we're absolutely very much involved in, in the discovery and workshop aspect. We just need to make sure that the customers and the prospect we're talking to, that there's actually a willingness from their side to start an IoT project, but most and foremost, that they have a rough understanding of what they want to do. We try and, and do a pre-qualification study, typically uh, on a workshop to try and get a sense of where the customer is at in their IoT efforts. Have they started an IoT? Have they had success with IoT in the past? Which resources do the company have? Do they have resources within hardware? Are they actually turning to a partner for the cloud analytics side of things? Are there resources within the company that would allow them to try and get their products to become more serviceable, so to say? So we typically have an agenda for how we want to take the discussion, how we want to lead the discussion on the workshop to try and get a better valid understanding of how the business case is tied towards what they're trying to do. If there is no alignment between the technical engineers and the overall agenda for the company in terms of where they want to see themselves in the future, 
My experience shows that it's fairly hard to progress in those dialogues. It's hard for us to advise the customers if they haven't set the proper expectations on what they want to get out on their side. So we need to take that into consideration in order for us to do our jobs properly, to advise and guide them within their IoT efforts. You build credibility by getting involved earlier in the process. And especially in higher-ups as well with the decision-makers, as in, what is it that you want to achieve? What are you doing right now? What is the gap that we're seeing here? With your expertise and through your wireless muscle, you can solve anything. It again goes back to defining the problems for the customer. And then you come in and say, okay, great, we can do this, this, and this, and this. This will take this amount of time. This is what is required from you as a company. Of course, we can help out in getting started, but for you to be able to sort of like manage this over time and also transform or transition into the company that you need to be, this is what the roadmap looks like. That's sort of how I would look at it. Do you agree that that makes sense? I think it makes fully sense. So in the scope and in the context of CR Wireless, then obviously the strength that we have is that we can get into the conversation pretty early because we're coming from the module world. If you're looking to start an IT project, you typically tend to think about, obviously, you need to have the pre-study done. But at the same time, you start thinking about which puzzle parts to put onto your PCB that goes onto your product pretty early on. So that allows us actually to get in early, to advise the customers, but also to tell them about the service aspect of our solutions and how we could actually take their products to become connected products. And that actually starts an entirely new dialogue because once the prospect realizes that we do more than just give him actually a single piece of hardware that goes onto the PCB, then we do start to go down the route of of advising more than just being a provider of hardware. A customer of mine and also actually a very dear friend, working with him closely now for the last six to seven months in the US, he's the head of the smart building solutions team for a large general contractor. And they are actually going through exactly the same things as probably Sarah Wireless have been that you are going through, as in having been provided just like a small part of the life cycle or whatever product it is, right? So providing a very small part of sort of like the entire life cycle and providing the sort of the ability to get connected, that is what you do. A general contractor creates a building or helps some people or other customers build buildings. And from a building life cycle perspective, that's very, very short time frame. That's like maybe like 7%, 5% of the entire like building life cycle. So what they're trying to do right now is, again, going more early, advise the customers in what they need to do in terms of connectivity, because they also see the long tail. Because if they can keep a relationship with the customer over the product's life cycle and be a trusted advisor, that would, of course, be much, much better. Not only for the customer, because like, okay, if you're referring it to buildings, the highest cost is the operating cost, because that's such a long period of time. And it also suffers when you do things shoddy in the construction space. Maybe the comparison would be if you're trying to do this yourself, right? In a connectivity perspective, trying to get these pieces together with no follow-up, not necessarily having the end in mind, then whatever else you build on top of that will be dramatically affected by how great you have like the fundamentals done. And it's exactly the same with buildings. If you build smart from start, then the operating cost, 90% might go away if you build it really well smart from start. And that is something that, of course, the owners want. Everyone wants it. But the challenges has been in that is a very fragmented industry. It's very, very silo-specific. And you said something about the trusted advisor. That is also something that has been 
well, challenging, right? Because you're also taking on a new role, which can be great for some customers, I suppose, and then for some customers, it's scary, right? True, true. Our sole responsibility on the market is to build credibility and try to be as close to our customers as possible when it comes to actually recommending something. So obviously, customers are all different. They have different resources and their view of suppliers is different as well. So in many occasions, we simply just supply either the hardware or the connectivity as a standalone component. And that's it. Because in most parts, these customers might already have existing suppliers in place that they're very much happy with. But in the context of us trying to do our job, then yes, for me, that is working with sales and has been working with sales for the past few years. I don't want to recommend or push something to my customer that he might not want to have in the end. So even though we come from the module side of things, we might either be in a position to offer the whole thing, the whole suite of solutions, or we might end up just offering a single component. But if that meets the the customer's timeline and what they're considering, then I'm happy. Awesome. I think that's spot on. Let's switch to so like the future oriented stuff and what's going on in the market, right? I mean, I think like you're in the line of connectivity. So you have to have heard something about 5G, all these kind of things. When I say 5G, what do you think about it? And also, what is the market saying about 5G? So there's kind of a clear gap in regards to the 5G that has been, been talked about in the media and what 5G really is today. And actually, when we have 5G discussions with our customers, what we try and do as the first step is to try and ask the customer the question of, what does 5G mean to you? So when you're saying that you're interested in 5G, which aspect of 5G is of interest to you? Which features of 5G is of interest to you? I think that what is happening now in the market, we're looking at sunsetting technologies in the world. So 2G and 3D networks has started to be sunset already. And there are many networks that will be going to be shut down in the near future. And that is kind of leading the way to the customer actually reaching out to us and asking us, what is your plan on 5G? What do you have today? And what can you help us with? I don't understand, you have some idea at least, but what the different features of 5G is. So I mean, like, are your customers equipped to answer that question at all? Are they at that level? Or maybe that's sort of where you come in and just talk to technical people, right? I really sort of like reacted when you phrased it like that. Or is that a trick question as in, yeah, we want to do something with 5G. Okay, great. What aspects of 5G are you interested in? Is that the trick question or do they actually have like the, the technology acumen to understand the complexity of that question at all? No, this might be different. And I would say that the scope of it is, is a bit different depending on which customer you're talking to and within which segment they're operating in. So some prospects might think that they have a pretty good understanding of 5G. But after conducting the discussions with the prospects, you might see that there might be a a misalignment in terms of what they see 5G being, whereas what it is today. And I think that most companies that tend to think about 5G are thinking about 5G in the way of having full bandwidth capability with ultra low latency. But the scope of 5G is, is way bigger than that. You're saying like full bandwidth compatibility, right? And really low latency. What does that mean in, for a five-year-old? So 5G is similarly to 4G, an evolution of radio technology, of cellular technology. So what 5G typically refers to in that aspect is that you're actually being able to send data quicker. And the latency typically refers to the fact that if you want to have your systems communicate wirelessly to the enterprise somewhere, you need to have the the ability to steer the machine 
And if you want to steer your machine, you need to make sure that when you're actually on the toggle, uh, pushing it left and right, you want to make sure that the machine is actually reacting to that very quickly and that the latency isn't high enough. There are many applications that are on the horizon and will be planned for the next foreseeable future where you have requirements that allows you to have that low latency. So to demystify it even more, I've got two sort of examples. One, I think it was Ericsson sponsored or something where you have like one goalie, he's got a VR headset and then he's got a camera on top of his head. So he's basically seeing what he's seeing, but in VR, it's streaming, it's streaming, right? And then with 4G, he gets a ball like kicked almost uh, <laughs> in his face, right? Because he couldn't react fast enough. Because of course, the latency, the lag was higher. So when someone kicked the ball, it took like split seconds for him to not see it. But when it was in 5G, it was just like being in real life. The same thing could be said, you know, these doctors do operations, I suppose, doing that also like across the world, right? Because there is no latency. The difference between doing it with 3G and 4G as in maneuvering a very complicated type of machinery, whether that is a scalpel or Industry 4.0 perspective, I think that the end result would be a bit different if you're trying to do it. I think there's something more to the context of this as well. And that goes in line with the fact that when the 2G, 3G and 4G networks were built, they weren't solely built to connect machines. They were solely purposely built to connect humans, connect phones, connect our gear towards the internet. But what is happening with 5G is that you will actually have resources to spend that allows these networks to be optimized towards mission-critical assets. And I would say that is a clear difference with how it has been done in in the past. Once the 5G network is fully operational and fully running, the telcos will be able to divide their resources on the base stations to try and adapt to different segments to give specific bandwidth capability for assets that are requiring the highest amount of uptime, and also to have dedicated spectrum to handle consumers that are streaming Netflix or whatever. So we're talking about uh, network slicing, correct? Correct. I really love what you said about sort of like the difference with 5G, 4G, and 3G in the past, as in for humans, as well as for humans and machines. I can't stress enough how much I love that because I've never heard it phrased that way. And I think that's spot on because if you look at sort of like blockchain, for instance, maybe it didn't start with cryptocurrency, right? But it became hyped or synonymous with cryptocurrency. When you talk about blockchain, it's a lot about crypto still. But of course, it's more than that, right? So blockchain is also machine-to-machine communication language. So you put that in favor with like 5G, which we now say, according to you, is also machine-to-machine, like the purposes, right? Blockchain is machine-to-machine purpose. So blockchain is basically having digital witnesses for whatever transaction or everything that is happening in a machine world, so to say. And for someone to just take snapshots of these things, so you can go back in time and see, okay, this event happened or didn't happen, and what was the state of all the other things in that sort of blockchain at any given point in time. So it creates trust. When we're talking about trusted advisory, we're probably going to rely on machines and AI to become trusted advisors for humans to take better decisions, right? We have seen human evolution as in machines solely working for the benefit of people. And now with 5G, we're seeing a more of a machine evolution, I would say, than for machines not only catering to people, 
but are more designed to target or to talk to other machines. Is that a correct way of putting it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on as well. So something to note here as well is the quality of service aspect of cellular technologies. So with 5G, obviously, if you're being able to put the right resources for the right application, then yes, you will be able to get higher uptime because you're actually communicating over a network that is very much dedicated to that specific use case. Going back to sort of the hype of 5G, you know, like these commercials that you now you can download a movie in 0.1 seconds or all of this stuff, it's definitely missing the point. I remember talking to someone like three or four years ago, and then he said, like, it's more about the resiliency as well in the network. When 5G is sort of like up and running for real, it adds a lot of resiliency. Okay, so NBIoT is narrowband IoT. So it's basically meant for, it's a telco or it's a cellular sort of like standard or it communicates with cellular wireless transactions, whatever. And I think that there's been a discrepancy of NBIoT and versus like 5G, right? Isn't it like the 5G network designed to encapsulate and sort of like make that transition even smoother so that if you have a need for sensors that are communicating either frequently or infrequently, but a very, very small data packets, then you can choose NBIoT. But at the same time, you have in the same sort of digital realm, you also have the machinery that it needs to talk in a 5G kind of way, right? If you know what I mean, like as in real time, really low latency. But I think the benefits would be that in a 5G network, you could have all of these things in the same duck pond, and then it goes back to network slicing, right? So you dedicate a specific set of resources to that specific use case. So you optimize and streamline the business cases. So the MBIT and CATM technologies, the CATM being you know evolution of, of 4G technologies. So the whole LPWA low power wide area technologies, which are cellular technologies. A few years ago, there was this hype of spectrum that was dedicated for low power assets that wouldn't communicate that often. They're just sending their status every now and then. So this was commonly accepted by the market. The only issue was that the operator started building the infrastructure for it pretty late. So what is happening now, essentially, is that they are realizing that, sure, even though these technologies are very interesting, 5G is rather more sexy to talk about. <laughs> but at the same time, NB-IoT and CAT-M are future-proof technologies. I mean, they will be part of the 5G scope once 5G is, is up and running. And so we are engaging very much with customers looking to adopt LPWA technologies onto their product designs because they have assets that they don't need to remotely configure. They just need to communicate, sense a few values to the back of the infrastructure, tell them that they are alive and that they are actually operational. I think like the benefits of NBOT is the bi-directionality as well, right? Because I know that some of the problems, the saturation uh, and sort of like the inflexibility of bi-directional communication in these kind of things, I think that's sort of lacking in sense of future-proofing. But I think like that that's a really important thing. And I mean, I think in Sweden... I usually say that it's one thing to be connected as a upkopplad, but it's a different thing between so like interconnected as in ihopkopplad. And I think what we've seen before or earlier is that a lot of companies are trying to get sort of data out, right? Uh, but they're not necessarily thinking about the next steps. Okay, when we have this data, what are we going to do with it? Who's going to use it? How do we make sure that this is getting sort of like in a security kind of way that we can also track who's going to use it? For what reason? How would we make it usable? And again, like going back to the data to impact loop, as in how to turn data into information, information to insight, insight to action, and action to impact. 
what does that look like for the customer? And I think that's, again, where the trusted advisory comes in because you need to be able to understand these things so that you don't select a technology that is phenomenal at getting data out, but then when you are going to use it for different use cases and maybe you need to control things, right? There is an inability to do so because of technical lock-in. Not necessarily because you're evil, but because you don't understand what the companies will do in the future as well as what technology does. And I think that's sort of been a bit of a problem with IoT in the past and also with telcos, of course. 5G is a really heavy investment for them and they need to see a payback. So that could also be a way for them, again, what you said about talking or the sexier stuff about 5G, uh, high throughput, et cetera, et cetera, means, of course, a lot of data. While it's the NBIoT, doesn't mean a lot of data and it's really, really cheap, right? And I've seen these initiatives from national players or global players that they need to get their costs back and it's so evident so that they're charging like licensing costs for something where the data traffic is like, I don't know, 10 bucks a month. Uh, but they charge it like licensing costs for like, I don't know, in the thousands, which doesn't make any sense. You're spot on there. So the ARPU, average revenue per, per user, if we just look at it from an ARPU perspective, if you're considering the NB and CAT-M technologies that aren't consuming a lot of data, then obviously for it to become a, a strong and big business case, then you need to have a lot of volume. Whereas if you're having dialogues with customers looking to send a lot of data and in the 5G scope, then obviously those products cost more. So the ARPU is way higher. So absolutely, from an operator point of perspective, I definitely think that, that 5G is kind of cherry on the top, so to say. So they need to make sure that with all of the investments they are putting out there, they need to get something back, something in return for them to keep prioritizing the, the right stuff. You're right about the fact that a lot of companies are obviously trying to understand what their role will be in the future and to try and to address that as much as they can. But it's equally important to understand that if you are to succeed in the IoT, you need to have the right partnership in place. So you need to be able to build up the ecosystem. And you need also to have the conversation with the customer where you tell them that we're the best at that doing, in our case, the smart plumbing part. We're experts in actually getting your data from your asset in the field to your backend infrastructure. But then our responsibility stops. Someone else takes over. Someone else analyzes that data for you and bring it back to the business enterprise. So it's equally important to understand that even though we're all doing different things, we're all be able to start our own IoT initiatives. But at the same time, we shouldn't forget about our roles and our DNA from the past. We need to make sure to leverage the fact that we're specialists in different areas. And if we are indeed looking to help the customer end-to-end, we need to partner up. Thanks so much, Mark, for joining the Beyond Buildings podcast. I definitely learned a lot. I love the aspect of what you said about 5G in terms of, again, like the human-machine transition. I love everything that you said about how approaching customers, how to define the problem, like starting small and then scaling up. And uh, if anyone wants to reach you, how do they go about it? They can reach me on my cell phone uh, using email. I'm also available on LinkedIn. I'm happy to engage further with whoever wants to learn more about IT and what they can do. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. Like, comment and subscribe and share the show with your network. Thanks again from your host, the smart world architect, Nicholas Wern.